to be able to choose not to drink because it is hard because of the its addictive nature, but also because of the societal expectations that come with it. Having a glass of wine at a party, if you're not drinking, you're assumed you're pregnant or you're right. If you tell someone you've stopped drinking, it's that you've previously had a problem with alcohol and using it appropriately. And so there's not a lot of confidence in being able to say, I'm choosing not to because it doesn't bring out my best self. You thought it, but we said it. I'm Alexis, a certified leadership and life coach, certified postpartum doula, sourdough educator, CrossFit level one trainer, birth fit coach, a beauty counter brand advocate, and a mom to two kids. And I'm Sam, a certified and licensed therapist and mental health first aid trainer in a nine to five-ish job, along with also being a beauty counter brand advocate, in addition to being a new mom and open IVF storyteller. We consider ourselves to be walking balancing acts and fellow mindset shift mavens. Perspectively Yours is our platform where we dive headfirst into conversations on topics that can make or break us. We speak to women about the things we often think but don't say out loud and how we can shift our perspectives around them to build our resilience and normalize our experiences. This is for the woman who wants a full plate and a full cup without burning out. We're sharing our stories and inviting others to the table to provide insight on cultivating resilience, shifting your perspective, and moving forward. So let's spill the tea and get started. Hello, we're back. We are back. We are back. I'm so excited. We've been like on such a roll with recording these episodes. And I feel like we're just jiving, maybe because we're doing them so frequently now. And it's just so much easier to get into our flow so much quicker. I don't know. That's how I'm feeling. I'm just like really happy. That's how I feel too. I feel like we've kind of gotten used to how things roll and we've gotten some really awesome guests on and we have like structure for the next several months, which is really exciting. So yeah, just feels really good. Yeah, Alexis and I like to be ahead of schedule with everything. And just so you know, it's not easy to start a podcast, just more so even from the comfort of starting to talk about these important topics and getting into your own flow. And we've been friends for a while, but it's still a new process for us. And I just wanted to share two pieces of feedback that we actually got that I thought were really important because I think they painted the picture that we are trying to convey in in our podcast. And one friend of mine said that it was like having comfortable conversations with friends. And another friend said, I feel like I'm talking to you, but I'm eavesdropping on another on your conversation with somebody else. I was like, that's the perfect way to explain it. That's what we want you to feel like. We want you to feel like you are sitting here having coffee or tea or whatever with us just hanging out where you can say whatever and feel comfortable saying whatever, no judgment. Yeah. I think that that's exactly what we were going for when we were vision casting, like what this is going to look like and feel like. And we really wanted it to be a safe place to have conversations like this. And even when people aren't necessarily sitting here inputting their experience or their thoughts onto it, um, We really want to convey that it is safe to have these conversations with us and like model kind of how to do that. So I'm really glad that that has come across so well. 
Yeah, because these topics are sensitive. Even the topic we're going to talk about today is, I would say, um, a more common conversation that I've been seeing happening more recently, but I would say used to be taboo, used to be something that we didn't talk about so openly outside of, I'll call it a diagnosis. And today we're going to talk about rethinking happy hour and how we utilize alcohol. And I think this is a really important topic for us to touch on. And especially because right now, as we're, we're chatting, we're in the middle of the holiday season between Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. And that is a common theme, I would say, among holidays and holiday parties and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And then when this episode launches is going to be then in the new year, which people typically are considering cutting back on alcohol or like cutting back Mm -hmm. or like addressing their health. And that can be one of the ways. And so I feel like it's just the prime time to be talking about this. Yeah. 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 With dry January and people who do whole 30 come, come January and resetting. So I think this is an important conversation for us to have. Absolutely. So let's talk about what are the overall health benefits, physical and mental health benefits of reducing alcohol consumption? And how can that lead to a more positive mindset? So what are your thoughts first on that, Alexis, when I when I say that? So the interesting thing is that there has been like these effects have been known for a long time. But then you get the oddball study that comes out that's like, drinking red wine is actually really good for you and associated with all these health benefits. And really, like, when you really look at all the evidence for alcohol, like, it impacts so many different aspects of our health. Like, I think a lot of us think about how it affects our liver because that's, like, top of mind. But that affects other things too. Liver health affects a lot of other things, but then alcohol also impacts so many other aspects of our body because it's just, it's a toxin. It's a, and it's a carcinogen. So it can be um, really detrimental to our health, which is hard for people to hear because I think we, um, you know, we still like, we don't want to be an all or nothing kind of people. Like we want to kind of moderate with things, which is fine. Um, But it doesn't take a lot for alcohol to really impact our health. So um, it really impacts hormone health for like a multitude of reasons, which actually I didn't really look into like the details on how it does that. But their sleep is a big one for that. When we're not getting good sleep, like that impacts our hormone health as well. It really increases anxiety a lot. And it increases depression too, because it's a depression, a a depressant. And so a lot of times people are drinking because they're feeling anxious and they're having a hard time kind of winding down. And then they use it to kind of help with those symptoms. But it actually, like most people exacerbates it. Yeah, it exacerbates it. Like the next day you feel a thousand times worse. And so it keeps the cycle going of like, you have to keep drinking, even though it's like, maybe only one or two drinks, like every single day that really adds up for people. Um, And it also really impacts your gut health as well. It can cause all sorts of havoc with your gut, um, partially because it does impact your liver, which also liver and pancreas also feed into like how your gut is working and everything. Um, But it can really impact and make your gut health symptoms really not super great. 
Um, and then it also increases the risk of cancer, all types of cancer. And like the data that was really compelling to me is that for breast cancer, all you need to do is drink three drinks a week, a week, not a day, not in one sitting, like throughout the whole seven days, three drinks and your risk of breast cancer increases 15% compared to somebody who doesn't drink at all. Um, which is a pretty significant increase in risk just with three drinks. And I think a lot of people are drinking double that. Like they're at least drinking one glass of wine a night. A lot of people are. Um, and so those are some of the like general health things that we can look at and be like, wow, this actually is not super awesome for our health. And I know that the Huberman Lab podcast did a really comprehensive episode on this particular topic on the health implications of alcohol use. And it's not like a judgment on people if you're doing it. Because all of us like we all eat and drink and do things that like we know are gonna not be super positive impact for our health and we still do it. And it's not like a sit and shame kind of thing. But I think it is helpful to know to actually know like, oh, man, this actually isn't really that good for me really at all and should be reserved for special occasions. Yeah. And I, I going back to the depression and anxiety, what often happens to is people who are misusing alcohol, I'll just speak to misuse more specifically, any form of substance misuse is typically a way in which they are self-medicating for whatever it is that they are struggling with mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever. And what often happens is that the alcohol is taking away that pain for a period of time because it's numbing in nature, mm -hmm. right? That's why I think, think about even when you, when you're using and you happen to be more outgoing and social because it's taking away those inhibitions. Well, it might also be taking away those fears, those anxieties, those traumas that you're dealing with and, and perseverating on a regular basis, but they are there when you wake up and they're not going to go away and you can't you can't heal what you don't feel. Mm -hmm. And when you are using alcohol or other substances, but more specifically what we're talking about alcohol today, you're not giving yourself the opportunity to actually heal because you're not sitting in the discomfort, you're numbing it. And it just continues to perpetuate the problem with, with depression and anxiety because it's not really getting to the root cause, which yeah. is whatever it is that's going on in your life. It's just a band-aid that is temporary. And I think when we, we talk about being more aware, right? And this is not meant to be, sh to be shaming of any sort, but I think when we are more educated and aware about even the frequency of use and the significant impact it has, it puts everything in perspective. Because even if you think, think about like with misuse, right? It's drinking for men, it's a certain number of drinks per day in a certain period of time. And for women, it's a certain number of drinks per day in a period of time. And that's only in one day, right? When someone is, let's say, binge drinking, right? I think it's what, more than three drinks, if I remember correctly. Don't yeah. quote me on that. I don't three remember. Or, three or four, something like four. that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say for women, it's three. For men, for men, it, women, it's maybe more than two and men, it's three. I forget. We can we can include the statistics in, in the show notes on that because I don't want to to misspeak. But that's in one day. And here Alexis is sharing that three drinks in a week increases someone's risk of breast cancer by 15%. And so we think about three drinks in a night, right? If we go out with friends and we have a couple glasses of wine, 
right there, that's two to three beverages in just that one night. So what are people really consuming in a week that is impacting more than they know? What if I said to you, you should not eat McDonald's more than three times a week? You'd probably be like, that's a lot to eat in a week to begin with, right? McDonald's three times a week. And I don't mean to bash McDonald's. This is about any fast food, um, which we know is not great for us. And do I still eat McDonald's from time to time? Yes. Do I still like Chick-fil-A? You betcha. I love Chick-fil-A French fries. I liked them pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not the best thing to be eating pregnant, but that's what I crave. And I knew that, right? I knew that going in. But if I were to be eating it three times a week, that's pretty significant impact on my health. Yeah, totally. And I think that it's tricky because like you said, a lot of people, I mean, pretty much we could probably say, I mean, if you look into Gabor Mate's work, who does a lot of trauma and addiction research and work and all of that, but he really points to trauma as the root of pretty much any addiction and misuse because that is what's happening. You're using it as a soothing and coping tool when it's not very useful because like you said, you're using it to like quiet the noise, to numb it out. And then you're, then it's like 10 times worse the next day. And so it just continues to perpetuate the cycle and you never have the opportunity to really dig into that. And when I, when I started going to therapy a couple of years ago, um, that is when I quit drinking alcohol because I realized like, oh, I can't deal with these problems when I'm constantly on this cycle of like drinking to feel better, feeling worse the next day, like on that stupid <laughs> roller coaster cycle of it. It just like wasn't working. And I was like, why am I paying all this money? Cause I was paying out of pocket for therapy too. I was like, I'm not going to pay money to just be dealing with the symptoms of me trying to put a bandaid on this issue. Like I actually need to dig into it and I need to be doing it with a clear head and not constantly being foggy about it and constantly dealing with the effects of it too. And so that's like my personal journey with it as well. And I know so many people who have decided to stop drinking either for health reasons or for the same reason, like they just, they were realizing like, this is just not helping me. It's actually making my, my issues worse. And so they ended up stepping away from it, which I think is amazing. Like we've had a big sober curious movement kind of, I feel like there's a lot of people who are way more willing. Yeah. It's totally trendy. We see lots of mocktail options and lots of alcohol-free options in the alcohol section now, tons and tons and tons of options, which is really, really cool because in the past, if you talked about quitting drinking alcohol, it was like, well, you're this like addict who's homeless on the streets and has like lost their kids and can't drive anywhere. Like this is the image that or you're not cool. Heads. Yeah. Or you're not cool. You're not fun. You're just a stick in the mud. Um, and now it's, it's a little bit easier for people to talk about, like, I just don't drink because it doesn't make me feel good or it's just not working for me or whatever. And like, at the end of the day, alcohol is an addictive substance. Like you don't have to be mm-hmm. like a quote addict in order to get addicted to alcohol because it just, it is, mm-hmm. it's like drinking coffee. You're going to, your body is going to get addicted get to it. used to it. Yeah. Yeah. And back to the, the bandaid analogy. First of all, you, I will say you're the exception and I'd probably say I'm the exception to be able to choose not to drink 
because it is hard because of the its addictive nature, but also because of the societal expectations that come with it. Having a glass mm-hmm. of wine at a party, if you're not drinking, you're assumed you're pregnant. If you're a woman, um, or you're right, if you tell someone you've stopped drinking, it's that you've previously had a problem with alcohol and using mm-hmm. it appropriately. And so there's not a lot of confidence in being able to say, I'm choosing not to because it doesn't bring out my best self. And what I wanted to touch upon with the Band-Aid analogy is is a Band-Aid is fixing a surface level issue, right? We think about it being protected quite physically, right? Being protected from the elements. But what happens if you just slap a Band-Aid on a wound that has never been cleaned out properly? You didn't go in there and take out a splinter or clean with peroxide and alcohol and the things that you use to uh, disinfect and sanitize the wound. There's an infection, right? That's going to keep building. So it's the same thing with mental health is that alcohol is acting as a physical band-aid, but not really getting into the deeper parts that need to be cleaned out and dealt with so that it can heal properly. And that's just to give you a more physical analogy, a visual of what that, what it's, what it's actually like, but getting people to recognize that they have to take that step to figure out why they're using it in the first place. What purpose is it serving? is really hard when it's constantly being met with the expectations of society. And I don't know if everyone feels comfortable saying, I'm choosing not to. But that's why I love this new trend, I'll say, of mocktails and finding more natural ways to feel relaxed. Because I think that's ultimately what we need assistance with when we're not able to unwind on our own. Because as we talk about in pretty much every episode, these are muscles that we have to flex. They're muscles that we have to really work to not take the same actions that we had been doing previously. And so to choose differently takes a lot of effort and a lot of courage. And now that there's a trend for it to be able to make the switch, people are leaning into some more natural ways to do that. And I don't want to dismiss it. It's why anxiety medication exists. Sometimes we're wired that way and we need an actual medication or a depressive um, antidepressant that you need to actually help you deal to give you the space. And I want to make that clear too, is that um, because there's often, you know, discussion of like self-medication versus like actual medication. Mm -hmm. And psychiatrists and therapists work hand in hand well. And the reason is, is that medication on its own is not meant to fix you. It is not meant to fix the problem. It does not remove whatever experiences you have endured, does not remove any of your feelings. It is not a magic wand. What it does is it gives you the space and the mental clarity to be able to shift your perspectives, have new insights, identify thoughts and feelings, uh, maladaptive coping skills, develop new coping skills in therapy. Mm -hmm. So they're meant to work hand in hand. And so when folks are more hesitant to use a medication and still need that assistance, that's where that self-medicating comes into play. And we've even seen a big uptick with like, CBD gummies. And those are not necessarily, they're not bad. We're not, we're not scrutinizing any of this, but it's understanding the intentionality in which you are using them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is like beautiful of medication is meant to give you space to be able to actually use tools and do the work because you can't do it when you are stuck in a mental health crisis. It just doesn't work, which we talked about for myself happened when I had postpartum depression after my second kid. Like there was no 
using anything that I had learned. It did, it was like not even possible for me to access that in my brain. And so medication was really, really helpful for me to be able to get some space away from that and like be able to actually work on what needed to be worked on. And alcohol doesn't provide that space. It's like putting mm-hmm. up a wall, essentially, like for a short time. It's not giving you space to actually do the work. It's like pretending that that you don't even have to do the work anymore. So that's kind of the difference between using like self-medicating with alcohol versus using medication is like one gives space and the other one just like pushes it away. Well, it's interesting though, because as, as you were s- saying that, I think what happens because it removes those inhibitions or numbs for a short period of time, people physically feel that wall come down. Absolutely. But it's not, but it's, it's like those, uh, I almost think of like a video game where the wall goes back up and it comes down and it goes mm-hmm. back up and you have to try and jump over the hurdles of it. Mm-hmm. And that's really what any kind of substance use is doing when you're not dealing with the root of the problem. You're able to bring that barrier down for a period of time, feel like yourself, feel normal, socialize, maybe it's social anxieties, maybe it's a trauma, whatever the case is, that wall comes down. And then as soon as that alcohol wears off, it's back up tenfold because now I don't know how to be that person without it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really curious, like, it's so interesting because we can know the health implications. We can know the mental health implications. And yet we have all this societal pressure on like our perception of alcohol consumption or not consuming alcohol. And then we also have like, it's just normalized. But why have we normalized alcohol consumption when we can know it really has a lot of negative outcomes. There's really not anything positive for most people, at least if you're using it regularly. Because feeling is hard. Yeah. Feeling, I think, is the hardest job that we have as human beings. And our thoughts and feelings don't always align. Or um, what I like to say, you know, especially, you know, when I was in the in the clinical setting, there's a, a form of therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a lot of essentially what we are, are referring to when it comes to challenging thoughts, because the thoughts that we have impact the way that we feel. However, with that being said, feelings can be irrational. And feelings, as we talked about in a previous episode, are temporary. And we sometimes are attached to that feeling as an identity of who we are. And we decided we're not cool enough unless we're doing X, Y, Z. We're not social enough unless I have X, Y, Z. I can't do this without. And if you think about even the culture of binge drinking, think about who that has started with. It started with, I'd say, late high school, early college kids. But why? What is going on that they're that they're not able to tap into? What is it that that alcohol is giving them? First of all, their frontal lobes aren't completely developed yet. So their decision-making is kind of eh, right off the bat. (laughs) Now we add add alcohol to the mix. Now we make really bad decisions. And I think we've just glorified the idea that alcohol lets us be someone else momentarily. Yeah. And a lot of what came up for me when you were talking about that is how Brene Brown has talked about how loneliness is like the biggest epidemic pre-COVID, pre-COVID it was before everybody was locked at home by themselves and people feel 
lonely, they're lacking connection and belonging. And so to like try to enter situations where they don't feel comfortable just being themselves and they want to be able to fit in somehow and somehow be able to connect and find some sort of connection with other people. And especially if you're dealing with a lot of anxiety and a lot of like feeling uncomfortable in social situations, I think that that is oftentimes a lot of what we're looking for is we're looking for a quick route to feeling Accepted. Yeah. yeah. And, ex- and acceptance and belonging. And even though it's not creating any of those things, no. like that is such a root need for human beings to feel that connection and that acceptance. And when we're living in a society that is so disconnected on so many levels, like we, we really want to fast track it. And like that sense of loneliness and lack of belonging is so uncomfortable to deal with. And so if you can just pretend like that doesn't exist and have a drink or two before you go to an event so that you can like... Or it becomes the event. Or yeah, it becomes the event. And when you take that away, when you decide that like, this isn't working for me, then how do you deal with it? When you when that is your only way to try and like find... And so I think that that really also perpetuates the problem. Because if you take that away, like, what are you left with? Especially exactly. if you're not doing any work to, to work through those things. Well, I think about even an after work meeting. What do we do after work? We go to happy hour, mm-hmm. right? You go mm-hmm. to happy hour, it becomes the form of connection. So the event is no longer about connecting. It's about drinking. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have a society of people who are not comfortable in their own skin, they want to stand out, they want a sense of belonging. And now you tell everyone who you're hanging out with, I'm not having a drink because I choose not to. You've now isolated yourself even more. Yeah. So how do I interact? How am I social? How am I like? And when everyone else continues to drink and now is, let's say, buzzed or getting drunk and you're sober... That's a very different experience because I I will share that I have never really been a drinker ever, ever, ever. High school, college. I I mean, have there been times where I've been drunk and consumed too much alcohol? Absolutely. Is it an extraordinary amount probably compared to my peers of the same age group? Nope, not even close. I used to walk around at a high school football party with a beer open not drinking it because I think it's disgusting, my own personal opinion. A certain beer I can drink. Like an Oktoberfest, I, I can enjoy. Mm-hmm. But Coors Light, no thanks. So, <laughs> But I would walk around with it just so nobody would bother me, but I had no intentions of drinking it. But I also, I'll give myself a little pat on the back that I think I was always very confident in myself and my decisions and in my own skin that I didn't necessarily need to do what everyone else was doing to feel like I was belonging, but I did enough to not have to be called out and isolated for it, which was carrying one beer. Yeah, totally. And I think as we've had these conversations, we've definitely identified that you have like your sense of self seems like it was nurtured from a young age, which helps so much because the people who spend their lives growing up feeling like they were not understood and not like so many different things uh, and not belonging in their own 
like in their own unit without, yeah. without being a certain way, if they weren't not accepted in there, unless they were a certain way, those are the people that tend to struggle with this. And that's a lot of people, like a lot of people do not have their sense of self encouraged and accepted from a young age. We're constantly told to push away our feelings and stop being this way or that way. Like you just need to fit this mold of what we expect a person to be. And those are the people that tend to have a lot of issues with this too. And I, I don't want to minimize that we can often need assistance in being able to unwind. And sometimes that's in the form of habits. Like I have gotten into, because it becomes a very long day by the time I, I get my son in bed and Alexis and I can sit down and, and work and talk, or I get to just enjoy watching Suits on Netflix with my husband you feel this overwhelmingness. At least this is where I feel it. I feel it in my chest of this, like this final big sigh of relief because I carry a lot of my stress in my chest and my shoulders, my upper back, mm -hmm. and I can feel it. And to practice unwinding is really hard. It's a, again, it's a practice. So what I've been doing is taking, I call them PM showers with my cleansing oil, which is so luxurious and smooth and silky, but it makes me feel like special at night to be able to, it's not just a shower to me, it becomes an experience of unwinding, using a cleanser that makes me feel like I'm at a spa, doing my nighttime routine, and then making myself a cup of tea. Or I've been using, and Alexis and I are going to talk about this in just a second, other natural alternatives that can help us unwind that can be just as effective, or I should say more effective, more effective because they are not detrimental to us and often are enhancing our health. Um, and so what a couple of the things that we've, or that I have used, I use, um, is a brand that we both use actually called needed and they make a stress and relax or sleep and relaxation support. Mm -hmm. And it's a chamomile. It is mm -hmm. fabulous. So good. I love it so much. Me too. I feel myself literally, I feel like the stress like melts off of me. Like I can actually like close my eyes and go to sleep. Yes. It's and wonderful. And it's safe if you're pregnant or breastfeeding, yes. which I think is the best part of it. Yes, absolutely. And I've used, um, uh, what's it called? Um, Japanese tinctures. This is a, a brand I've used called Apothecary that I absolutely love. And I, um, it's funny because they make really like cute names for them too. Mm -hmm. uh, that, I think the one I'm thinking of is called Take the Edge Off. And there's mm -hmm. another one... Um, wind down. I, I may be saying that wrong. Uh, I know the one because I actually have an old bottle, I think, because I got a big one, but it was stop your whining. You're whining. That's the That's powder. W-H-I-N. Yeah. Yes. So there are there are tinctures and then there are, are also um, herb blends. Mm -hmm. And so the stop your whining is one. I also have chill the fuck out, which I put in my <laughs> coffee. I put it in my coffee. So I played a game the other day. What's in my coffee? And it's my protein powder for anybody who guessed it's my protein powder. It is my collagen. It is the uh, chill the fuck out. And I actually do put a drop of the um, take the edge off. We're gonna have to make this explicit now because I said fuck. Oh, man, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> you did it twice too. <laughs> three times. Three times. Three times. It's my favorite word in the English dictionary. Oh, man. Uh, but I put that all in my coffee because it sets me up to balance my hormones because there are adaptogens 
that are in the blends that I use. And um, I've got my protein that balances it out so that my nutrition is also helping deal with my stress because I'm making sure that I'm getting protein and fat and carbs so that I am well-equipped to run the day. And then the last one I use is actually um, Ritual Proof Zero, which is a, an alcohol alternative. And it is uh, tequila. It's a tequila alternative is the one I've tried. I really want to try the rum one with my mm. apple cider. Mm-hmm. But it's like a spicy marg, the one that I make. It's fantastic. So that's just some of the, And not because I have any issue with alcohol, but because if I'm going to drink something or make a fun, creative drink, because I think that's sometimes too, like a fun, creative cocktail. Mm-hmm. I can make it fun, but get health benefits from it instead of it being detrimental to my health. Totally. Yeah. And I really like, I've never tried the ritual, but I want to, but there's another one called Seed Lip, which is like these, um, they're supposed to be like an alcohol alternative, like a liquor alternative, but they have like The one that I tried had cardamom in it, and it was just this really beautiful botanical thing. And it was just delicious. And I would mix it with other things, too. So I really enjoyed that. And then I have found um, this brand called Avec has these short kind of seltzer type of drinks, but they're, they're like elevated seltzers. My favorite one is jalapeno and blood orange, I think. Um, Ooh. that one is so good, but they're in the mixer section. Yeah. They're in the mixer they're section in the at mixer the store. Section? Yeah. Because you can ma- add alcohol to them if you want to, or you can just drink them just as is. And they're, they don't have like a ton of sugar or anything in them. Um, like a very minimal amount, but those are really delicious to have as something a little extra. And like you said, you can add those tinctures to them or or whatever else you want to add to them to make them even more fancy and even better for you and still feel special and not have all those health detriments. Yeah, and I I really like the tinctures because I feel like I'm getting the feeling or or and the powders of getting the feeling of being able to need something to help me uh, relax the the habit of helping me to unwind, mm-hmm. but that's not alcohol because sometimes we do need a little bit of help. And yeah. that's why I'm going to say the other alternative here, guys, is therapy mm-hmm. because I think that everybody would benefit from therapy. And even if you're not currently struggling with any problems, and I'll say problems on the surface, because we all have something that we could be working through or doing better or aiming for. And a therapist is a really objective way to be able to do that. So I am always an advocate for therapy. Totally. Um, Have we ever talked about how to even find a therapist too? Like just a quick, yeah, we have to find it. Yeah. I, I know that I refer clients to psychology today's therapy finder because that is just the most comprehensive and you can filter through the types of therapy that they do and where they're located and if if they're a man or a woman or like what their religious beliefs are and things like that. So I think that that's helpful for people to have as a resource. Yeah, I think we can do an episode on that because I will say that it's a lot like kissing a lot of frogs. And yeah. it's it, it can be a process, but it's also a, a, a harder process because you don't look at a therapist the way you do a primary care doctor where you want to make sure that you have a connection 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's, it's trial and error. So we'll, we'll save that for a whole other episode. Um, but we are loving, uh, dabbling in all of these other alternatives, um, that have been helpful for us. And I would also say, challenge yourself to come up with a night to nighttime routine that helps you to unwind and to start to identify when you're feeling the need for, uh, to reach for something that would help and what's going on. And that is not meant to be therapeutic advice whatsoever, but more so an opportunity to start being more aware of your own behaviors of when we're feeling overwhelmed and what our first inkling is to do when we're feeling overwhelmed. Totally. And if it's feeling impossible to come up with a nighttime routine other than having a glass of wine, then that might be a good indicator that you could use a little bit of extra support. Absolutely. All right. All right. Well, well. yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there. We'll leave <laughs> we'll it there. Leave it there. <laughs> I felt like we had a lot of like hanging <sighs> still wanted to talk about, but in the uh, sake of brevity and your time, we will, we can always circle back to this in another conversation. Circle back. And we'd love to hear like your, your thoughts on this too. Like, Sometimes there's a lot of, oh, I didn't realize like this was an issue or actually I feel the same way and I've just never really known how to like approach it. We'd love to hear your feedback about it too. Yeah. And I, I had one last thought about the trendiness of, of the, uh, I'll call them the mocktails is I think that it is now making it more socially acceptable for you to make a different choice if you don't want that drink or that drink is not in your best interest. It's making it a little bit easier in a social setting to not have to just follow everyone else's lead. Totally. And I would like to share a story, a quick one. It's very quick before we end with that, which is we try to limit certain types of foods in our home. um, And when you have kids who spend a lot of time at school or whatever, like they can end up eating more foods that you tend to limit. And we notice changes in behavior and how we feel when we are not doing that. And last night I was having a conversation with one of my kids about this. And they said, they were like really upset because I said, you know, we've been really like, we've been really lax about this. We've been eating a lot of things that we normally don't. And I think it's making, making us not feel super great. And there was just a lot of grief and sadness of, but I don't want to be missing out. And I don't want to be like not having what the whole group is having. And I think that, and I, I just, I felt so much like, I understand this feeling as an adult. And I use that as an example. I said, you know, a lot of times I'm in situations where people are drinking wine or having beer, and I know that it doesn't make me feel good. And I, I choose not to. And sometimes I feel a little left out. Like I don't get to have that with the group. And that's where we get to still know within ourselves that we know what is best for ourselves and our body. And we can go against what everybody else is doing because we know that we we are worth it. And it means so much for ourselves to take care of ourselves in that way instead of just going with the group and in order to feel not left out. So um, I want to leave us with that story because I think that that's a lot of what we come up with mm-hmm. with our feelings is sadness of feeling left out. Absolutely. I agree with that completely. And I, and one last thought on that is we often the next day then may feel regret of our decisions. And 
I will say though, that it is not enough to typically stop us from doing it again. Mm -hmm. And that is why I think you have to go into it, making the decision ahead of time. I'm choosing not to do this Mm -hmm. rather than putting yourself, essentially setting yourself up for being in a, in a tough position to say no, if you don't go in with the confidence of I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm not going to. And I have alternatives with me as well is another Mm -hmm. big one. Like that's what we do for food. Like we always just have backup alternative options. So, all right, well, we will just leave you on that note and we'd love to hear what you think. Absolutely. All right. We'll talk to you later. Talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. Just as a reminder, this podcast is not intended to replace professional medical advice or mental health services. If you are in a mental health crisis, please call the Suicide and Crisis Hotline at 988 or 911. Did today's episode of Perspectively Yours hit the spot? It would mean the world to us if you'd show us some love with these three effortless ways to help your fave podcast thrive. First up, the most important, never miss an episode by following or subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Just head over to our show page, tap the plus sign and select follow. Next, leave us a shiny five-star rating and review on your podcast platform. Your feedback helps us make each episode better and better. Last but not least, share your favorite episode with a friend. The power of word of mouth is undeniable, and we would be over the moon if you spread the love about Perspectively Yours. Before we let you go, here's a fun fact. We met through Beauty Counter, our favorite clean beauty brand, and are both brand advocates. If you've been looking for safer products that actually give you results, you can get 20% off your first purchase with the code CLEANFORALL20. Don't forget to follow us each on Instagram at Ms. underscore Samantha Kehoe and Alexis.TheNourishedBeginnings. Send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Be sure to check out the show notes for any resources we mentioned. Thank you for being here. We are grateful for your support and love. Thank you.